you, Nick, are bringing a lot of shit out that I've been suppressing for a very long time. One of them coyotes, he made love to my skull. You know what that practice is commonly called? I do. And I certainly hope he got both eyes, Roy. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. And even though you guys have been listening to episodes um, for a few months this year, this is actually the first recording we're doing of the new year. So, Happy New Year, and uh, I'm welcoming uh, returning guests, and that is Nick Baldwin. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Perry. I'm honored to be the uh, first recording and still remain impressed by how far ahead you are in your schedule. We're lucky if we've, like, one episode ahead when we're recording ours, so... I'm always very impressed. Well, I've definitely had that in in my show as well. It just just happened to work out where I had managed to. I posted a call on um, on Reddit uh, last summer for um, guests, and they just kept rolling in. And like I had a bunch, I was like doing like two or three episodes a week recording, and so eventually I'd like met this massive backlog built up of stuff um which now we're getting uh we're getting down I'm, like i was uh, i was you know about four or five months ahead now i'm only like two months ahead <laughs> well i know that um i mean maybe i should do something like that because i know that we found each other through something somebody reposting essentially that same thing that i'm sure you posted to reddit they like found on mm-hmm. twitter that's how i found you you've been a guest on mine which we enjoy and i'm about to edit that uh, but yeah, we, we're always looking for more guests, so maybe that's what I need to do, is just like put out a larger call of fellow podcasters who want to come on and talk about uh, movies in love with me and my wife. Yeah, Reddit has been um, a really good for that, to finding guests. Like, I just post up a message up there, and then, actually, funny enough, the first time I did it for Superhero Cinephiles, I got like no responses. And then I tried doing it again, and then all of a sudden, it was like an avalanche of them. So it's just, yeah, so just timing's got to be right depending on when people will see that post but uh but it worked out um this last time i did it so uh in fact i think i'm gonna have to do that again because now i've got like we were talking before we started recording i've got a break coming up so i'm hoping to get another batch recorded yeah 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 Yeah. uh so anyway um why don't you remind people you mentioned your podcast already but remind people about who you are and what you do sure 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 uh i am you know the reason I'm talking to Perry or the way that we found each other is my wife and I have a podcast. Uh, I love movies and I like talking about movies. And I think movies are uh, indicative of sort of who we are when we find them and they can always have something interesting to be said about it. And there's always something to be found to be loved in it. Uh, and as if you listen to my previous episode with Perry, you'll, you'll find that some movies you have to dig a little deeper to find the things to love, but there's always something there. Uh, and, and I also think that they kind of make us who we are, which is how you can kind of learn more about a person and get more personal. So with all of that together, my wife and I have a podcast. That podcast is called In Love With Movies. You can find that anywhere you get podcasts and on YouTube. That's just I am in love, uh, comma, with movies. And each month we discuss, uh, usually with guests when we can get them, some aspect of romantic life talking about uh you know what it is like to live from that person's perspective we are all just normal uh you know young-ish people trying to talk about how our lives have been conducted we're not experts or anything like that and then we also discuss a movie that 
is not always really that directly related to uh, the, the love topic, but very recently, um, and by the time you all are hearing this, it might be some months later, so you can go find it on the back catalog if you find us. Perry came on and talked about his romantic life and his experiences, and then we also talked about High Fidelity. So if you've ever wanted to hear Perry talk about a movie that's not superhero related, <laughs> or if you are always curious about um, more details on his romantic entanglements, uh, you know, come find us, and then uh, hopefully you'll stick around after that. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a fun episode. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you again. Well, I mean, I always have a fun time talking with you. We had you on <clears throat> twice now. You know, once on the main show to talk about Jumper, and then um, had you on the 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 Patreon show to talk about um, Invincible. And so those conversations are always fun and just like you know back and forth on uh, Hive or and Twitter and whatnot. And then uh, so getting to, getting to meet Danny was a lot of fun too, and getting to chat with her as well. Really enjoyed it. I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, I always say like, I'm funny enough, but she's always head and shoulders above me. So. <laughs> well, she actually is a comedian, right? I think she'd mentioned yes. that in there. Yeah. yeah. So that, that make that totally tracks. Literally thousands of dollars worth of training from the second city. So, you know. <laughs> oh, she was second city. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that yeah, makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense then. Doesn't it? <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend who, had, who did that um, years back as well. And we got to see, um, we go and see one of his improv shows, and it was a it was a fun time. Good, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed seeing her shows personally. So, why well, I, I should hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, the beauty of having a, a spouse that do improv is like you know when you're trying to support them, you can go to a lot more showings. Like if somebody's just in a mm-hmm. normal scripted play, it's like yeah, okay. But the second time I see it, it's literally the exact same thing. Right. Um, and in Rob, it's not ever that case. You know what I mean? Even if it's the same structure or something, it's always something a little new. So, yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things we always talk about here uh, before we get into the, the main topic is what kind of things have you been interested in? What's been uh, grabbing your attention, especially now that we're coming off uh, New Year's? What, what what's kind of kept your attention over the over the break? Yeah. Um, so actually, very recently, uh, my wife and I, we just discovered this past week a TV show on Netflix called Jenny and Georgia. And I'm thinking I got that correct. It might be Georgia. I think it's Jenny, Jenny and Georgia. I think it is. Yeah. Jenny and Georgia. Um, And I would, the way I'm sure somebody pitched this to Netflix execs years ago was, uh, you know, it is a modern Gilmore girls and my wife and I had enjoyed Gilmore girls. And so if you go watch this show, it's, you know, got more, more explicit type of sexual content, not like, you know, rated x or anything but more so Mm. than gilmore girls which aired on i think so cw so it's like that but it's modern so they're like you know more uh modern ways of talking about sexual relationships and there's uh, a more hard-nosed backstory to the what would be the older mother lorelei gilmore character uh who in this case is named georgia and as the episodes unfold you learn more and more about her hard-nosed backstory but um yeah it's it's kind of been it's one of those things that we like put on as like, ah, we're trying to find something new to watch and don't really, you know, and then we've like binged almost the entire first season in the last like five days. So <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, for me, uh, you know what I discovered is over Christmas, like from right before Christmas until stretching after new year, I, I just got hit with a monster of a cold. And there was a week there where I was just kind of like laid up for a few days, just like laying on the couch and I'm just flipping through stuff. And on Disney plus they had, um, here it's in Disney Plus in Japan, but I think in in the U.S. it's on uh, it's on Hulu. But The Gifted, the um, the X Men spinoff okay. TV series, uh-huh. <clears throat> and so I I started rewatch. I had watched it back when it came out, you know, 
what, like three or four years ago now. So, but I started rewatching it again and, you know, and I kind of forgot how much I enjoyed that show. And it was because it's, you know, the, the premise of it didn't really interest me when I first heard about it because they said, oh, it's about this this family. They discovered the kids are mutants and they're on the run from the government and all that. I'm like, eh, whatever. But um, when I watched it, what I wasn't prepared for was the mutant underground they linked up with. And all these because they had a very they couldn't go with any of the mainstream X-Men characters. They couldn't right. go with Cyclops. They couldn't go with Wolverine or Storm or anything like that. So they had to go with the really obscure characters. So they've the cast is like, you know, you've got Thunderbird, you've got Blink, you've got Polaris, um, you've got the the Stepford Cuckoos, and all these, like, you know, characters who don't always have a big showing or a big presence in the comics. I mean, Thunderbird died, like, in his second issue, and he hadn't, and only recently they finally brought him back. So, so that gives you a sense of how long this character, how little this character has been the focus of the comics, but he is such a focus of the TV show. And, and so rewatching it again, and it, it, it's so much fun. It was, it was so, such a joy to, to rewatch it. Um, you know, I love the, the, the whole, the mutant fan, the family storyline, you know, even now it's still kind of, I still kind of check out every time they come on screen, but everything involving the mutant underground, the hellfire club, it was just so much fun to, to rewatch that. And just, there is so much stuff in there too, that, you know, now with the, the rise of fascism coming back, the rise of authority, so much of that stuff that they're talking about in that show. And, you know, now we have all this like anti-trans stuff, all this anti-immigrant stuff going on and like in like Florida and Texas. And a lot of it rings very, very true in that show now. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> something else I had recently watched was Andor. But just your comments on, you know, what fascism really looks like. I think <clears throat> Andor did a phenomenal job. I've been watching that as well lately. Oh, so good. I won't. I won't. I won't spoil it then because you haven't. Yeah. Finished it, but your listeners, I'm sure, if they haven't by, by now, they sure probably even more of them will have finished it by the time they hear this. It's. It. Yeah. It. I'll just leave it at that, and then you can come at me on Twitter, and we can talk about it some more <laughs> once you've finished, because there'll be lots to talk about. Yeah, so it's, it's a great show, um, and, and or two. Like I've really been enjoying uh, watching that little by little here and there when I have time to to catch up on something. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, today you uh, you came up to me and you said you wanted to talk about another um, kind of forgotten <laughs> movie, <laughs> a little kind of obscure, kind of forgotten movie. And uh, this one we want to talk about was R.I.P.D. Rest in Peace Department um, from 2013. With uh, Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds, and based on a on a comic book, um, R- the uh, same name R.A.P.D. by uh, Peter M. Lenkov, which came out in '99 from Dark Horse, I think it was. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um. So, so, uh, you, I, I saw on Twitter you posted that you had read the comics. So you have the comic, right? Yeah, actually, so the thing that made me think of suggesting it to you, because you had, I think I rediscovered it, or you said something like, anybody who wants to come back on, I just, or I went back to your same uh, poll to to offer. I was shopping for someone else for Christmas, looking for comics, and discovered this comic, and was like, oh, I think maybe I would enjoy it, and then I could give it to them as a, you know, as a gift as well. Uh, Because I had never read it. I'd seen the the movie back in the day. And at the time, the movie, you know, was not great. And also, um, I wasn't really into comics at the time. So when I saw the comic, I was like, oh, I've always been curious, you know, what what the comic was actually like. Um, The movie and the comic both, you can tell, are basically just a, like, 
again, speaking of, of executive pitches, like, all right, it's, it's men in black, but instead of aliens, it's ghosts and demons. Like that's mm -hmm. basically the whole shtick. And the comic reads almost more so like that men in black movie. And it's funny, I was rereading it earlier today uh, in preparation for this. And I then was like Googling some things. It came out in 99 men in black came out in 97. I am absolutely certain somebody decided to sit down. Linkoff probably was like, you know what? I think I have an idea here. And I will mm -hmm. say, I think the movie is a fairly good adaptation of the book in that it is dumb, fun, not very deep plot, um, but kind of cool scenes and silly characters. And that's, mm -hmm. it, that's what the book is. That's what the movie is. So, you know, there's some differences between them, but the spirit is there definitely in both. So I think there's something to that because I'm just checking out uh, Lenkov's <clears throat> uh, background now. His only other comics work is called um, Fort Prophet of the Unexplained. But um, most of his stuff, though, has been as like a, a producer and, a, and a, as a team, as a movie writer. Like, so I think there is definitely something to it. Like he wrote um, and, you know, not exactly the most stellar um, <laughs> record. Because he wrote, um, Demolition Man was stupid fun. He wrote that. But he also wrote Son-in-Law, the, the Pauly Shore movie. He wrote... Oh my uh, god, yes, this is like my history when I was young. Okay, continue. He wrote, uh, not Universal Soldier, but Universal Soldier 2 and Universal <laughs> 3. Uh, uh, he wrote a 1999 adaptation of Jekyll and Hyde. <clears throat> and... Sure. Um, he had done uncredited rewrites on Ballistic X versus Sever, which is famously one of the worst movies ever made. He was also <laughs> he was also a producer on that. He was a producer on Son in Law, producer on Jury Duty, another Pauly Shore movie. Yes. Oh man. Oh god. He was a producer of Chairman of the Board, which is a a carrot top movie, <laughs> and uh, um, something called Pursued uh, and uh, Thirteen. Um, which is a TV movie with um, based on a graphic novel series. And he was also a producer here on RIPD. Um, also a writer on The Crow. Also a writer on The Crow, Stairway to Heaven, which was a guilty pleasure of mine when, when that was on the air. And I you were um, going to say The Crow, the original. And I was going to be like, oh, no, 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 no. He, <laughs> he, he was a writer on the low-budget Crow syndicated TV series. <laughs> also, Hawaii Five-0, the remake of that. And um, <laughs> the new MacGyver, he was on that. The new Magnum P.I. So, <laughs> again, oh not the God. most stellar record. Um Apparently, also, he's uh, got some issues. Like, apparently, he was fired from his CBS shows uh, in July 2020 because of reports that he fostered a toxic work environment. Um, in fact, Lucas Till, who starred in MacGyver, he said he was actually suicidal because of Lenkov's body shaming, which is totally fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So not, now not the, yeah. About having put any money in this man's pocket. No, uh, no. I mean, you can't, I mean, it, it's stuff you don't know about and you can't do like a whole back, you can't be expected to do a whole background check on every single person who, who has been involved in every single production or anything like that. Dang. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and clearly I mean, he doesn't have the most original ideas. I mean, half no. of that is, <laughs> yeah. sequels or spinoffs of other garbage. And this is, I mean, especially the comic, like it is, they lean even heavier into the whole like rookie, you know, mm -hmm. and then like the 
the the cowboy character in the comic literally rides off like on a horse out of the, <laughs> the office uh you know into retirement unlike the movie where they like i think clearly thought they might get a sequel so they were like yeah well, let's keep it around because you know if, if this whole ryan reynolds jeff bridges thing has enough chemistry we can milk this cow for a little longer um and it didn't work out for them <laughs> no i mean but that wasn't it wasn't a bad idea because i remember seeing the the trailers for this movie and um on paper this seems like a winner right i mean you've got you've got jeff bridges playing a cowboy uh and you got you got ryan reynolds you know basically just doing his whole ryan reynolds stick uh especially because yep. this was in that time this is in that weird middle period before he'd really kind of broken into action movies, which kind of really kicked in with Hitman's Bodyguard and Deadpool. <clears throat> so he was still doing this. He was going back and forth, mostly doing like comedy films, romantic comedies, and and then kind of occasionally doing dipping his toe in the action stuff. You know, he did Blade Trinity, he did Green Lantern, he did this. Um, but I think it was really Hitman's Bodyguard and Deadpool that one-two punch that really kind of you know got him finally into kicked him into the action genre yeah. and and then you've got kevin bacon as the villain and so right. it's I just totally like totally forgotten that and i put it on last night and i was surprised and then my wife mm-hmm. sitting next to me was not watching but like it was there so she was like is that kevin bacon is kevin bacon in this movie and i was like he is he apparently is exactly the same reaction i had i'm i'm sitting down and i'm watching it. i'm like oh kevin bacon and i just like i perked up right away as soon as he popped up on screen and i even have a note like he plays it very well like he he acts his acting and, and and actually the acting of jeff bridges and others while they're playing much more bombastic characters i think is quite good but kevin bacon i literally wrote down a note at some point that was just like man he plays criminal uh mastermind really well <laughs> mm-hmm. well also mary louise parker as the as the proctor oh, yeah, as yeah, yeah. um that was another that was another one i didn't realize she was in this um yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of great talent in this movie, and again, on paper, this seems like the kind of thing uh, that is like geared specifically towards me. You know, it's kind of like got this urban fantasy feel, which you know I write urban fantasy novels. I was a huge fan of, of Buffy and Angel back in the day, so all of this seems like it's totally in my wheelhouse. Uh, but as Did I'm you watching see it, back when it came out, no, no, it was one of those things where <clears throat> I had seen the trailer and I was interested in it. Um, but I just never got around to see it. I'm not sure if it ever came out to theaters here or what. Sure. <clears throat> but whatever the case, I just never came out. Didn't even. I didn't even realize it was on Netflix actually until you had mentioned it. <clears throat> and because Netflix's recommendations are a pain in the ass. Like one of the things I love about Disney Plus and HBO Max is you can search. You know, it'll give you recommendations all that, but you can also search the whole catalog, just like A to Z. Show me everything you have. Netflix doesn't have that, and that annoys oh. the crap out of me. Um, can you even like if you type something in specifically, or you just can't? If you type it in, spe- if you type it in specifically, you can find it, but you have to know specifically what you're looking for, gotcha. right? Yeah, so like, like, yeah, I see what you're saying. And um, so when you had mentioned this to me, like I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen that on any of the streaming services. You know, it's never popped up or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, so I I was looking it up at the at the video store nearby. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's got the video store. And you you said, well, it's on Netflix here. And I'm like, okay, well, let me. I don't think it is here, but let me just double. And then I typed it in. Boom, came right up. And I'm like, how come <laughs> never showed it to me in like the years it's been on the service? It's so funny because actually the rights and everything have changed in the time because obviously we had to push this back just like once because scheduling mm-hmm. something like that i think it was actually hbo max is what it was on when i first suggested it, oh that's right yeah yeah 
I'll t- I'm going to go look and make sure I don't really want to pay for this movie because it was I don't remember it being that good. Um, mm-hmm. And so I like looked, it was on HBO Max. I told you it was on HBO Max. When I went to go watch it yesterday, it has been taken off of HBO Max. So I ended up having to, not, it's not expensive, but you know, like I bought this on Amazon so that I could actually mm. watch it. And then I also, part of the thing that had like, I can't remember if we talked about this online, right after I suggested it, after I suggested this movie to you, like four days later, I saw an announcement of an Amazon original RIPD2 and they had made a sequel. So I went to go watch the sequel again on Amazon, being like, well, I've watched the first one on Amazon. I'm sure the sequel, the sequel is no longer on Amazon, but is instead on Netflix. And I'm just like, what the fuck, man? Like, you can never find things, especially around the turn of a, of a, of a year. It's just like so ridiculous to me. Um, HBO and- Max is pissing me off lately. I mean, they just announced well, now they're raising the price and everything. I saw, I saw you, yeah, you posted something about that. Because they're, they're, I mean, they're just cleaning house with some of their best mm-hmm. content because it's like apparently supposedly somehow a tax write-off or what have you yeah uh and then in the meantime because they're needing money they're they're upping their subscription and i'm yeah i'm with you i'm like it's actually probably the one i watch it's at least in my top three now and because we sometimes mm-hmm. talk about which ones we cut and hbo was one that i'm like no i have to keep it but lately i'm like man you're, you're getting you're dumping some of the content that i keep you for mm-hmm. i'm not so sure so yeah yeah, I think I'm going to just, you know, kind of focus on some of the stuff that I want to finish watching, then I'm going to cut it, because um, it's just, it, it's getting ridiculous now. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they, I was right in the middle of Westworld, too. Like, I think I was oh. right in the middle of, of season three, and then they cut it, and I'm like, they fuckers. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and then they also cut um, the the Justice League animated stuff too. So Justice League, Justice League, that's gone. Um, uh, Aquaman, King of Atlantis, which I hadn't seen, but I was, you know, I'd seen the previews of it and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm looking forward to showing that to my kids when they get a little bit older. And you know, now that's gone too. So yeah, it, it's just it's so irritating. And then instead, we're getting all this reality TV crap on there instead. And I'm just like, who who do you think wants to watch this stuff? <laughs> There's a reason Discovery Plus isn't raking in the subscription dollars. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think they're owned now. Yeah, because that's part of the merger. They're owned by the yeah, yeah. company. And it's like, yeah. But you should be able to see that this is not uh, not not panning out for you. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, RIPD. Like, so you'd mentioned yes. the prequel. Funny you mentioned that because that was uh, Jeffrey Donovan actually was uh, playing the Jeff Bridges character in that. And uh-huh. it's kind of a funny coincidence because I just happen to be rewatching Burn Notice uh, okay. here and there. Yep. <laughs> um, I watched, I think, all of Burn Notice back in the day. And I've always liked that show and rooted for him to have something that kind of breaks him out further. But then I watched something like IRPD2. Mm-hmm. And I realized why maybe he hasn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a very specific type of character actor, I think. And yes. and um, when you're making that jump from TV to film, you don't always make the best choices starting off, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him <clears> in other things where he plays characters like the guy from uh, Burn Notice. And I think he mm-hmm. crushes them. But then in this, where he's like supposed to affect, uh, like, you know accent and everything like that and i'm just like oh this doesn't nah doesn't work for me but, but also i mean like jeff bridges is a one-of-a-kind actor like you can't ask someone else to come in and do a jeff bridges impersonation especially such a specific one like the way bridges plays because he doesn't bridges is i'd, I'd seen some criticism uh, like he's playing it so over the top in this yes. movie and yes. if you're not jeff bridges i don't think you can pull that off I had that thought too when I was rewatching the, the first RIPD uh, for this. I was like, man, 
I like this is nutso. And I literally thought to myself, like anyone else in this role, because there are some pieces where it feels even with him, like mm-hmm. just I can't stand it. Like it's it's too much of an accent. And I think that's part of why the movie maybe wasn't um as successful, but agreed with you, like trying to do that very over the top hokum uh you know southern guy uh it it only i think works because it's jeff bridges and jeff bridges has so much charm and i would even Mm -hmm. argue that like he's been in other stuff since this came out that has caused me to have like more positive feelings for him and more charm and everything like that that i'm like okay well like he like gets even more credit like you can see that he's making a very like intentional choice you know yeah with, with how he does things so yeah in fact, it was almost off-putting for me at first when I started when he first came on screen in this because I'm just like, "Oh sure. wow, that's that's a, that's an accent." Um, that's but a choice. That is yeah, a very yeah, strong choice. Yeah, but it quickly won me over. Like I was surprised how much it won me over. And at first, when it when I first heard, it, I'm like, "Oh god, this is gonna be this is gonna be a pain in the ass." But I I was surprised how much I'm just like, "Okay, no, I, I I'm rolling with it now." Yeah, see, <clears> I had watched this movie at some point probably in 2014 i don't know i probably like rented it on dvd because like you i had seen the trailers and thought oh man that looks really good that's right up my alley that mm-hmm. sounds like fun didn't get around to seeing it in theaters because i was busy anyway and then i remember liking it less than i did this time on this rewatch i was like man this movie's not arguably like objectively good but mm-hmm. it's a lot better and a lot more fun than i remember it being <laughs> yeah um so what were some of the your main thoughts going through it uh this second time yeah, um, I literally had so Bridges accent uh, ridiculous, but it totally fits the character. And having read the comic, like the comic is this over the top. Like he says, "pard," like partner to everyone, and it's literally spelled P A R D. And it's like constantly on every page, this character is saying that. So I was like, okay, you know this this actually works out pretty good. Um, I, I also wrote something. Uh, it. Uh, look diff but uh, oh there's a like he says something uh, about like oh the fact that they look different my bad sorry I'm trying to like intuit oh the the, yeah, the avatars yes the avatars and I love too that that's an opportunity for James Hong to like just mm-hmm. there's some really great side scenes with James Hong who uh, listeners if you, if you don't know who that is he's a character actor he's been in a lot of stuff but also most recently probably everything everywhere all at once he plays like the grandfather um, and, and I remember seeing him in a bunch of stuff, but he just like in a couple of scenes for this, I think is crushing it. And that's not something that's actually true in the comics In the comics. There's a scene where they track down his ex-partner and he, the ex-partner immediately recognizes him and like, you know, goes running. So I thought it was very smart what they did to mm-hmm. have the, that they have avatars. And then honestly, I think some of the best jokes, although some of them are dated, uh, come around that avatar like the whole him having a banana like it's like it, he doesn't actually have a gun he has a banana and, and like keeps wielding it like he thinks it's a gun but everyone else just sees a banana um or you know the jokes about uh the, the jeff bridges's characters like avatar is like this really hot sexy blonde or whatever mm-hmm. and, and people are constantly <laughs> him. and there's this great scene where some like really sleazy guy comes up to him and says you know like here's my card. I'm a producer or something like that. You know, give me a call sometime. I can, I can get you into modeling. And they cut back and forth, mostly having you listen to Jeff Bridges voice, say mm-hmm. something like, 
I am a woman and I am not a piece of meat for you to be ogled and you will respect me. And then like crinkles up the card and throws it in his face. There's like, Oh my God. Yes. Seeing bridges do this is amazing. That was one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> that was, that was one of the standout scenes. In it. And the problem, I think the big problem with this is that you've got this movie where you've got Jeff Bridges just kind of like chewing the scenery and just like having a, having a total blast. Cause I think, Jeff Bridges kind of knew going in what kind of movie this is, oh, and so true. I'm pretty sure he he read the script and he's like, "This is a piece of shit," and he's like, and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> but you could just do whatever you want." And he's like, "All right, fine." <laughs> and, and I think I know you and I often get into like you know production stuff he probably thought this would be you know like oh it'll be the money maker that i do on the side so that i can afford right. to do the you know prestige projects that i want anyway sorry i interrupted you no 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 i that was pretty much done but yeah i think that's probably exactly what he was thinking he's like all right i'll make some money off it i'll, I'll go and i'll just kind of have fun on set i think kevin bacon was thinking kind of the same thing he's just kind of like because he's also just like you know chewing all the scenery in oh, sight yeah. especially when he does the heel turn as the as the the master villain of the movie which you know, I, one of those movies, one of those types of things where this is one of those movies where it's just, you know, compare it to Men in Black. Um, this really is because uh, I was thinking Men in Black the entire time I'm watching this. Oh, oh 100%. <clears throat> like I said, I think that that 100%. was intentional because the Men in Black comics was like the early 90s. And then there was the movie and it crushed. And clearly, you know, this guy who's actually a movie producer was like, hey, I can I can write up a script real quick. Mm -hmm. I actually, I bet if we dig some deeping, not, or not that you and I would know this, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was something where, like, it was originally pitched as a movie and, like, it didn't quite make it. And then so he took it over, made it a comic book, said, well, I'll make some money off of this anyhow. And then, because the movie then didn't come out until 2013. So that's like 2013 years yeah. later. Um, I bet it was like one of those things again, where they were kind of like scrambling for trying to find like, oh, people are really loving comic book movies ever since mm. Marvel did its thing. So let's, you know, go find any comic book property that we can. <laughs> and then they find this and they're like, oh, it's like Men in Black. Oh, that's absolutely, you know. Oh, and I'm sure Ryan Reynolds, like this, they thought like, oh, when we book Ryan Reynolds, it was probably before Green Lantern had come out. I don't know that for sure, but mm -hmm. you know, just timelines of when these things release. Uh, and so they're thinking like, oh, Ryan Reynolds would be coming hot off of Green Lantern. And they didn't know that Green Lantern was going to be infamously one of the hottest pieces of stinking garbage mm -hmm. uh, that probably actually I would imagine hurt this movie because it's like, oh, it's this comic book vehicle starring Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. People still very much because uh, 2011 was was Green Lantern. People had yeah. the, the, the bad taste of, of a comic book movie with Ryan Reynolds in their mouths for a while. So, yeah. Well, and also the the other comic book movie he was in before that was Blade Trinity, which also, you know, oh, stank yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, to his credit, he was the best part of that movie, but still, it was the rest of it was was garbage. Um, yeah, I'm really glad he finally found Deadpool because I feel yeah. like he is just enough of a pretty nerd that he has always wanted to be in some kind of comic book. Property oh God, yeah, yeah. Trying like you've got the Blade Trinity, then you've got he played Deadpool and Wolverine, which that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm glad he finally found it with Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I think. I think you're absolutely right. I think what happened was, um, you know, Lenkov probably wrote, pitched this as a screenplay. He pro probably pitched it right after Men in Black. I can just picture him coming home from the theater and being like, okay, da, 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 da. okay, you know, do up, you know, copying the whole script. And then all of a sudden, just like, okay, you know, find and replace aliens with, you know, dead people <laughs> or something. 
Yeah, and it's such a bad name too. Deddo. Like Deddo, yeah. So unoriginal. Like, come mm-hmm. on, man. <laughs> Deddo. When it, I mean, you know what I bet it was? I bet maybe at first he said he put put in Deadhead, and then and then um, then a producer was, friend of his, and they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. You're gonna piss off all the Pink Floyd or all the Grateful Dead fans. So you got to change that. And he's like, okay, Deado, okay, <laughs> pass the cocaine now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly, truly. <laughs> and then you know he probably pitched it up, pitched around to people, and they're like, yeah, you know what else you got? You know, tell us more about X versus Sever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then he went off and made that instead. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> so then I think, and I'm pretty sure, you know, he had this script and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to give it to a, I'm going to go to Dark Horse. I'm just going to give it to the, to an artist and then have an artist draw it. You know, I'm, I'm positive this guy didn't even do like a full comic script and do like panel breakdowns. He just probably handled the screenplay to an artist or something. Probably. And honestly, if you read the comic, like, I find it, again, it's it's fun, but, like, it reads, mm. honestly, like, the outline of a story. And it ended up only being a four-comic, like, short series thing, so mm. you knock this thing out, you know, real quickly. Uh, but, yeah, like, the fact that there's just basically zero character development, they jump from one scene to the next with, like, no explanation of how someone got there. It's kind of hard to follow what's happening. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, this, this reads to me, like, the rough outline of a story that somebody wrote. And then they just didn't bother to fill in the details that you normally would. Shit, maybe you didn't even write a screenplay. Maybe you just wrote a treatment, handed it off to an artist, and be like, draw this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will say, I like the art. It's kind of, it's very of its time, but it's like, mm-hmm. um, God, it, like, there was this time when there were sort of uh, characters that almost had, like, not huge heads like, you know, Pop Funko, but, like, just, like, slightly bigger heads in the way that they were drawn in mm-hmm. animation. Uh, and it's it's kind of very much that, like with tiny little bodies and then like larger heads. So um, it's 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 unique, but it's 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 cool. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking up some of the art now. It's uh, it, it's a cool style. I, I like the art. It's uh, and I could totally see it fitting this style of comic if it was you know if it had a you know a better story to it, basically. Yes. Yeah. And like, because it is that kind of it's like almost silly and childlike so that mm. it allows you to have some of that darker material um while while treating it they're actually what apparently i think this the sequel movie that was listeners find r.i.p <laughs> you can get it for free that actually is a decent watch do not look up the the sequel on, on netflix it is <laughs> not worth your two hours i wish i could have that back um but apparently in 20 i was looking it up there's like 20 somewhere around the time of the movie they somebody wrote a and i don't know if it's the same guy wrote a a prequel book about when roy uh jeff bridges character like joins the force of rpd and that art is actually like kind of more of the like traditional what i would think of as dark horse in terms of it being like darker grittier more realistic and and so now I, i actually I've already ordered that because it's piqued my curiosity and it was relatively inexpensive when I found it online. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll let you know how that goes, but I'm, I'm yeah. curious now about like seeing someone maybe with better, uh, with a different treatment of it and, and seeing how it goes. But I mean, this movie is, like I said, it's not great. The, the, I will say the CG, I had a couple of notes. So like the, the uh, computer graphics um for a lot of like for example ryan reynolds death scene and when he's like flying everywhere i was mm. 
relatively impressed by how much it felt like that held up ish. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not great, but like it looks <laughs> as good, if not better than, you know, the third matrix movie that, you know, mm-hmm. was supposed to be groundbreaking at its time. And uh, I just, I'd like the unique decision for these dead O characters. And while again, the like reasoning is flimsy at best, mm-hmm. but the, like when they all turn into monsters, like I think they did a really cool job kind of adapting whoever the given actor was. And I'm assuming this is before, like it would have been mocap would have existed, but it wouldn't have been like, Oh, it would have been. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been proper performance capture. I wouldn't think like the really detailed stuff that they have now for people's faces that, you know, well, well, I, I don't, I take it back because I guess theoretically that's, you know, Gollum would have been one of the first uses of that. And mm-hmm. anyway, um, yeah, they had, they had, they had, um, also, um, the first Hulk movie too, cause Ang Lee did all the motion capture in that. Okay. Okay. So yeah, no, they would have had it then, but I suppose, um, yeah. And like, just when, when Kevin Bacon, like you said, does his villain turn and his face like cracks open and then it like, mm-hmm. it's still clearly Kevin Bacon, but again, a slightly larger head and then, uh, you know, some like craggles and things like that. I, I thought for things, and maybe it's just more of a criticism of modern computer graphics, but like I see things from 10 years ago now and I'm like, oh, that looks as good as something that I saw 10 months ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, it means it's not that bad. Like it, it must mm-hmm. be, you know, they've, they've done a decent enough job. Um, but I just, I think the movie knows what it's trying to be and therefore does that fairly well like i mean the scene like for example there's this homage clearly to um dr strangelove i assume you as a movie buff may have picked yeah up yeah this. yeah okay yeah so the yeah he, he rides ryan reynolds out of like a you know skyscraper but he, he straddles him like the cowboy does in, in strangelove and, and mm. he haws on the way down I, thought, <coughs> like, I literally cackled at that scene i was just like mm. oh my god this is terribly absurd and ridiculous and i love it yeah uh also you know the the fat dead they play like one of the things like the cg that's where the cgi got really wonky for me when they're trying to because that i'm just kind of like okay this looks really bad and the the weird thing is they do this odd framing device where they open up on that scene which yeah. just felt like such an odd choice I'm like you're gonna put your worst cgi right at the start of this movie <laughs> that's a, again that's a choice you're making that's a choice and i don't know <laughs> But I don't know why. It doesn't seem to make any sense. Like, the framing device doesn't have any sort of purpose for the structure of the movie at all. Sure. Yeah, the, like, how he died and everything, they don't really uh, mm-hmm. get into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then we had the, uh, speaking of that, that fat businessman, did you recognize that uh, that actor who played him? I knew he looked familiar, so I Googled. I had to look it up on IMDb. I did not know it without looking on IMDb. But please, please, enlighten your listeners about what else they would know this young man from. That was um, Buzz, uh, Kevin's big brother, bully big brother from the Home Alone movies. (laughs) Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, yes. (laughs) And then the poor guy, like, only gets, like, 30 seconds basically on screen mm-hmm. before he becomes a dead. I actually thought I wish they have spent more time with the character that they created for him. Like this, like sort of 1970s businessman who was like, you know, tapping his foot and bobbing his head, uh, like the whole time as if he's listening to music that isn't there. I thought that was kind of a cool shtick. And then like very quickly, they turn him back into a dead. and he's now just this CG blob who's mm. running up the side of the buildings and yeah. yeah i was like yeah this is less interesting <laughs> yeah. okay 
uh, we had to jump out for a second, but we're back in. Uh, so you were just saying uh, right before I hit record again, you just had in your notes? Yep, I had in my notes. Oh my God, Pulaski is Buzz from Home Alone. <laughs> I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I was, I was floored and I loved it. Um, but, uh, we haven't yeah, talked. It... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, I was going to change uh, notes a little bit. And um, the the thing that really was making me wonder, because I was watching this and I knew that it was based on the comic book. And by the time I got to the end of it, I was thinking, you know, I wonder how this compares to the comic book. Uh, because it's, because okay. you know, thinking about Men in Black, um, I'm not sure if you ever read or if you're familiar at all with the original Men in Black comics, but they're very different from the movie. It's like much okay. darker. It's like very much in that, like, you know early 90s conspiracy theory vein it's like and they don't just go after aliens right the 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 movie really kind of like you know uh sanded down the edges yeah yeah and it it also it sanded down the hard edges of that of that comic book and made it you know much more i think a big part of it was also the casting of will smith it made it much more kind of like you know family friendly much more you know got a fun tone and so i was wondering you know i wonder how the because this felt like it was one of those cases where you had this comic book and then they just kind of slapped this very kind of generic uh, movie formula onto it. But, and so it made me curious, like, I wonder what the comic book's like. I bet it's better than this. And then but based on what you were saying, it doesn't seem like it was. Uh, I mean, it is. It, yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, in short, it's not. They're, they're not entirely the same, but the basic broad strokes of like this four issue thing is essentially the same. His partner betrays mm-hmm. him. You don't know that until a little bit later on. Uh, his partner betrays him to, to help. the help. The thing that's like major difference is in the movie, and this is actually, I think, a good choice, and which goes to me saying it's a good adaptation because a good adaptation like Sonic kind of finds the things that don't fit as well for the new medium mm-hmm. and improve upon it. In the comics, it's all actual demons. And like they go and they, they for example, they go to the like location where uh, you know, Nick's character, or, or, or Nick is the character, sorry, Ryan Reynolds' character in the comic, uh, is killed. They, like, knock on the door, and inexplicably, they, like, had been there for a drug bust when he died, but now they're there, and there's this woman who answers, but then the woman is, like, there with a child who is a demon baby, and then the demon dad shows up and, like, beats the heck out of the guys until they, they kill everyone in the room. And so there's this, like, weird thing of it's actual demons, not like dead people whose souls stayed on earth, but instead Mm -hmm. actual demons escaped from hell. Um, and then there is, uh, so like, and and then there's like this weird thing where people actually, some people know about the demons, but then like, just keep it going. So like his partner isn't dead himself, but his partner, they like label him, um, undead wannabe or something like that, or underworld Mm -hmm. wannabe. Like there's, an abbreviation that the the cowboy character throws out and and it turns out like his partner is completely alive but has like made a pact with the devil to help him bring souls and there's this throwaway thing about the drug that they were first tracking but that drug is in fact like partial demons ground up or something which is why when people take it they actually behave more evilly but they don't go into that um so there's a lot of these like details that are in my opinion worse whereas in the the movie they have adapted it and been like okay this whole confusing thing about there being this sub stuff done we're not going to do this mm-hmm. uh and there's then also this side story that in, in, by the end interacts with there's some demon who has escaped from hell uh to be able to find 
uh, Michael's sword and then is going to use Michael's sword to kill the devil so that he can then rule in hell. Mm. And they end up defeating this, they like find this guy and, you know, track him down, this demon, and stop him from killing the devil because God wants the the cold war that's been going on and, you know, would prefer to stay with the status quo as opposed Mm. to letting new leadership happen and who knows what happens there. So it's almost got that like uh, Constantine movie vibes of there's this mystical thing that they have to go find but it's in that way it's the same like partner sorry uh <clears throat> partner betrays partner kills partners working with the the bad guys uh the difference being like oh his partner ends up being like the mastermind instead of a sniveling idiot uh but there's also then this side thing of like some mystical artifact that they are trying to prevent its use because mm-hmm. its use might bring about you know the end of the world as we know it and the, they just smartly, you know, brought those two characters together and made the person who's trying to complete the artifact be his partner. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of being some demon. So I, I think it's 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 a better execution, but then you also don't have some of the cool, weird demons. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a give and a take, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of that time, well, you said When you said partner, were you talking about the Jeff Bridges character or the Kevin Bacon character? Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, Kevin oh, okay, Bacon's okay. character is called Nettles or Hayes. So, like, I in that portion there, I was just talking about the bad partner, the bad guy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, um, because yeah, when you said that, is like one to one the exact same. Okay, uh, from the book, clearly they built it around that. Anyway, so when you said when you said the devil, he had made this deal with the devil to like kind of like hunt stuff down. I was thinking, I'm like, wait, wait. So in the comic book, it was Jeff Bridges, and that that. Sounded like a complete ripoff of the TV show um, uh, Brimstone. If you ever remember that, uh, I vaguely remember that. And it's funny because, like, it's this weird thing. They almost make it seem in the first issue like uh, it was a deal with the devil because there's this mm-hmm. lawyer who shows up instead of the proctor. And this is the other thing is like, they just, there's all these random characters that are only there for like a page that serve mm-hmm. no real purpose. But that's why they, uh, you know, amalgamated them. Um, yeah, but so, like, there's this lawyer, and he says something like, oh, you know, this contract, and the contract looks like it's got flames on it, mm. and then in the next panel, it says, like, it's this flaming city, and it says something, something, you know, like, the capital city of hell, or something like that, and so it's, like, almost feels like you're saying, like, this contract is tied to the capital city of hell, but right. then later in the comic, um, there's a line, there's some lines from Jeff Bridges' character, the cowboy, about like oh the big man upstairs or you know if you don't finish your contract you don't get to go up and it's like all of this you know the the uh, nettle the main character nick uh you know he says something like oh hell and the cowboy character says not we don't say that here and then later on he says you know like oh my god and he goes now you're getting it pard and mm-hmm. so there's this implication <laughs> There's definitely not, like, the the movie very much more heavily leans into, like, it is definitely heaven, that is who is employing you, that's what's going on. So, mm. uh, no, not quite uh, Spawn or Brimstone, but... Um, okay. Yeah, anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, that whole structure of, like, you know, there, there are way too many coincidences in this movie for my taste. Yes. Like, that, that whole idea of, you know... He, Nick gets betrayed by his partner, his partner kills him, and then Nick gets resurrected in the, the RIPD, and then he goes after, and the, the thing they're hunting down is the is his old partner, and I'm just like, come on, that's a little yeah. bit pushing. 
Yeah, I mean, I I understand it's Kevin Bacon. You got Kevin Bacon playing the villain. You want him to, but you know, you're you're pushing the 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 strain of credulity here a bit. Yeah, yeah, and it's very similarly the case is kind of occurring with this here. In fact, the one thing that's different or that makes more sense is in the comic part of your like contract and the reason that the guy signs up for it, it's not so much that he wants to go back to his wife, although they have that scene too. It is that he wants to find his killer. Like Mm -hmm. it literally says like, Oh, your contract, your first case will be that you get to solve your own murder. And so he's like, Oh, I'm going to go do this. And so it makes sense that like you end up finding that his partner is the one who killed him. What does seem overly coincidental is that his partner is also someone who's working for hell. Like, right. but it's kind of a different avenue into the same thing of just like, oh, of course all these characters interact because why wouldn't they? <laughs> that would, but yeah, and it also feels weird. I mean, because you, you imagine that Kevin Bacon's character, if he knows about all this stuff about the RIPD and all that, wouldn't you know there's the possibility that the guy you're about to shoot in the face can be yeah. resurrected to come back and get you? I mean, like, that's... It, it feels like a weird thing. Like, you, he, he, Kevin Bacon would have been much better served if he just let Ryan Reynolds back out of this gold thing and, you know, go yeah. off on his own, because then yeah. he wouldn't know any of it. Yeah, he'd be like, okay, you just get me the gold back. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't want to be in this, I'll fence it for you. You know what I mean? You give me the gold because that's all he really cares about. And you'll remain ignorant and in the dark. I That was one thing I also put is like, once he makes that turn, you realize that like he must have been living an entire double life because he's been planning this, you know, situation mm-hmm. to raid the RIPD from, you know, it had to have been weeks, I presume. He's been tracking down the portions of this thing. And there's like this throwaway line for when Kevin Bacon has died. He's like, you remember that one time you, I took a bullet and you were sure mm. I wouldn't pull through? Like, oh, you didn't pull through. And that's like the only explanation you get. Yeah. But supposedly from that moment on, he like not only decided I want to stay on Earth, but I'm going to also become the guy who brings hell to Earth. Like, mm-hmm. it, I, I, I literally wrote a note of like, what is his motivation? I don't understand what yeah. his motivation is. Why? character would suddenly become you know the the ringleader and why he would be spending so much time focusing on this thing or as you pointed out why he would need to kill his partner to to meet his ultimate goals i mean yeah because like it it makes so much more sense if he was just a human guy who was afraid of being you know caught by internal affairs that would have made so much more sense and i can understand why he'd want to you know kill nick that way but the the way they do this here and they have that whole turn of him i'm just like wait a minute that actually makes it you know, completely nonsensical that he'd want to kill his partner. Because, I mean, like, the RIPD knows that you're after this thing, and you're going to kill a guy and put them right into their hands who knows about what you're doing. Yes. <clears throat> yes. It was just... And it, it's Sorry, go ahead. It's like, well, just like, the first half of the movie, if you don't look at it too closely, like, you're like, oh, it makes sense because it's the other motivation. But like you're saying, after the shift, then you're like, well, hold up a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and again, I think you're just not supposed to look at it that closely. You're just supposed to be like, oh, he's he's bad. Like, and, and therefore the bad guy is always, you know, knows everything. <laughs> I feel like they got to the point in either the original treat, the original script or or the, the movie script when they're they're writing it and they're just got, get to that point and they're like, we need a twist here. We need yeah. a midpoint twist. <gasps> 
let's make the partner the big bad of the movie. That's going to be our big mm-hmm. twist. I'm just like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, oh, we should make sure we get a really good actor who can who can play that really well. And arguably, they did. They did. did. That part they did. I mean... <laughs> and, he you know... That scene and he's like, it's the coin or whatever. There's also this, like, inexplicable... Just so much, like you said, convenient things. What was it? There was some kind of, like... Uh, gem or like a uh, saint's something like his mother's Saint Christopher, right? Saint Christopher, the yeah, yeah. And it's just like uh, we have to have some kind of an explanation for why his partner never, you know, picked up on him being a dead mm-hmm. guy. Oh, oh, just just you know, write in some magical mystical thing that <laughs> there's no explanation for whatsoever. I mean, this is <laughs> one of those. If you're doing a, if I was doing a screenwriting class and I was teaching this this script, I'm like I would point out the fact that like you know how in in, in screenwriting books and stuff they tell you to have like that um, Chekhov's gun or something. This is an example how to do it, but to do it in a very obvious, very bad way because they draw so much attention to that fucking thing where Ryan Reynolds like, oh well, this vest will protect me more than your. I'm like, come on, man, what the hell? <laughs> yes, yes. It's ham-fisted, to say mm-hmm. the least. But, uh, yeah. And it just... That that actually goes to another one of my notes. Just, it's a plus and a minus, as I wrote it. Because it's, like, the, the like lots of exposition. And I write it as a plus because I've, I'm tired of... And I was just talking about this with somebody on our Patreon-exclusive thing for us. Uh, of Avatar 2. And, like, that there's just not enough exposition sometimes of... Like, we've got this, like world built thing and then now we're going to do put something into the world that kind of breaks the world that we've already built but we're not going to bother mm-hmm. to to talk about it enough and explain it so there's some of that stuff here that the thing that i i like is that they at least you know oh there's an explanation as to why his partner never saw him the thing mm-hmm. that i don't like is it's just so ham-fisted like it's simultaneously at least they keep making sure that they're establishing rules for this place but it's mm-hmm. also like, oh, come on, like, where did that rule come from? How like, and it, it really is just like, they clearly like, they had some line earlier and I'm, God, now I'm forgetting. Oh, it's the cumin thing. Like, yeah. Why does cumin? And that's, by the way, not anywhere. Cause like I said, they're not actually dead people, but that's nowhere in the comic. So they just made that shit up themselves. My guess is the writer's room that was workshopping this, like somebody ordered Indian food and somebody else complained about the smell. And then they were like, and thought that'd be funny. But so like the whole cumin thing is like, it's nice that it's a, that there's an explanation at the very least, but where the hell? And they just write it off as like, Oh, nobody knows pard. You know, Mm. Jeff character is like, Oh, we don't know why Indian food does it. It just does. And that becomes the sort of justification for Mm. everything. Like the, 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 the saint, uh, you know, crest and every other random thing of like, we're not going to bother explaining this to you because we're just going to say it's magic and be done with it. Which, yeah, at least you've established that, but also that's really freaking lazy. <laughs> like, as someone yeah. who I know you write magic, and you know, you if you just use that as your way to get out of every situation, you're not going to have anything interesting to write about in the long run. You know what I think it was? I think someone said, I think probably in the original draft of the screenplay, they had salt, because that's usually the thing. And then someone's like, wait, wait, no, 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 Supernatural uses salt. We can't use salt. We need another condiment. Let's do cumin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know what really annoys me about talking about the the writing thing where, um, and I'm not sure if this was actually in the script or if, um, 
if it was just something Jeff Bridges threw in. But when they're talking about, you know, this, you know, this staff of whatever that they're they're going after and okay. and Roy stops everything to point out, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been busting my ass for, you know, a century now, catching all these guys, and you're telling me someone built a thing to just make my job insignificant? And I'm just like, who would do that? Why? And there's never any explanation for it. And I'm just like... And that's why I think it was it because it, if that was if somebody actually wrote that dialogue for Jeff Bridges, it makes me wonder... Um, you know, it, it's one thing to get meta and to po- poke fun at y- your story, but you got to have that next step. You got to have that that next step in the in the joke for it to to make sense why you're doing it. Like if you just have it, then you're just pointing out a big flaw in your script. Yes, yeah, and you're never resolving it or anything like that. And right. I really, I I hope I would love to see a script and find <laughs> out if that's true because that's an excellent point, and I would hope that it is Jeff Bridges, like just him doing it and sort of like he had that moment of realization on, on I think stage maybe he's like, that's what I think would happen like they get to that he's maybe the script is being written as they're filming it or something he gets to that page and he's like he's like wait a fucking minute <laughs> oh man and then somebody and they just happened to be filming at the time and, and somebody's like you know what that's a good that's we're gonna keep that in <laughs> she's like <laughs> Yeah, because it, it could have been it could have been some kind of blood ritual thing, or there could have been some partial explanation, or they're, they're, like even this is a perfect example. Like they could have done it just just a step further, you know, just mm. one step further, just have like another line of dialogue. You took the time to let Jeff Bridges say this line of dialogue, mm-hmm. add another one. The R.I.P.D. two doesn't have like a specific um, you know, thing in it. But it is like, oh, there's this one demon who's trying to open the portal to hell in the ground and allow all of the demons to, you know, come escape into uh, our realm. But it's like a specific time, specific ritual, specific thing. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it could have been that. Like, <laughs> you yeah, know, you could have said that that wouldn't have taken long. Literally write that in for one sentence. And it doesn't seem as obvious as Jeff Bridges points out. Yeah. 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 It's just like there's so many. And it, it's such a weird thing. I mean, like you've got all this. You've got this cast of these great, these three great charming act four when you count when you talk in um, Mary Louise Parker as well. Yeah. yeah. And she kills it. She she kills it. Yeah. Yeah. And roll. Oh, my God. Yeah. You got these these four actors with so much charisma on their own. You put them all in a movie, which is very tongue in cheek premise and all that. And it's like this is this is one of those things. Like I, I'm watching, and it, it makes me think of um, the last movie we covered on the show was uh, X Men: uh, The Last Stand, and okay. it makes me think of Dark Phoenix Saga. And just like I'm like, okay, Fox, you had you had you had two movies. You have the source material. It's right there. You had the animated series that did the adaptation. It's right there. And they did it in less than 90 minutes. It's all right there. How do you fuck this up twice? <laughs> and I'm just, not just once, but twice. And then I'm watching this movie and I'm just like, you've got Jeff Bridges just having a blast. And just, you know, yeah. he's just clearly, he's clearly in the mood to just fuck around, right? He's obviously yes. not taking this too seriously. you got Ryan Reynolds, who never takes himself too seriously. You've got Kevin Bacon, who loves chewing scenery. you got Mary Louise Parker, who's got the deadpan stick down pat. I'm like, this is a recipe for success. You've 
you barely even have to write a script to make this work. You just put the four of those in front of a camera and let them give them a premise and let them go off. And that's all you really need. And it's like, I'm watching this movie. And it's like, how do you fuck this up? Yes. Yes. Like I said, this is, <clears throat> I, I liked it more this second round, but even still, it's like, you know, a mediocre movie at mm. best. And this should have been, like we said, from the very beginning, like the premise, the idea, it should have been out of the park. You and I should have been like singing the praise of this movie. It should have been another MIB for us. So, well, I mean, well, especially, especially yeah, I mean, when you're thinking about Men in Black, because you think of, you compare this cast to the Men in Black cast. I mean, you've got, you know, Tommy Lee Jones, Jeff Bridges, you know, Will Smith, Ryan Reynolds. I would argue that Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds are a much more engaging pair to watch just on paper than Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith are. Like, I, I think, you know, I mean, I, I like Will Smith. I like Tommy Lee Jones. Don't get me wrong. But if you're talking about grumpy with the comedic flair, Jeff Bridges does that far better than Tommy Lee Jones. If you're talking about, you know, like, you know, exuberance and charm, I think Will Smith's antics in um, Men in Black, his whole kind of like, you know, pseudo Fresh Prince thing, it, it gets old after a while. Ryan Reynolds' stick never gets old for me. Like I, I can watch that guy do it nonstop, and I never get tired of watching him. And but it's, and yet watching this, I find myself comparing them both unfavorably to Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith when it should be the opposite. Right. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, it, it, it should be, and it's just like, yeah, I don't even, I can't even quite put my finger on it because actually, I wouldn't say I tired of Ryan Reynolds' shtick, but it felt so much more flat to me mm -hmm. like it did i've been a fan of ryan reynolds probably since van wilder which i mean those that movie probably is is problematic but you know oh yeah at yeah. this point uh however at the time you know it was the sophomore humor and it's that sort of and i feel like he's kept he's updated his sort of persona since then so he's not doing quite as you know he's doing jokes that are more today but it's still the same like ah you know i'm so charming that even though i'm a rapscallion you can't mm. you know hate me and I just felt like in this movie, he didn't even manage to affect that. Like, he just kind of was, like, you know what I mean? He was there, he was doing Ryan Reynolds, but it was like, I don't know, I just, and maybe it was after Green Lantern, like, he you know, didn't have the he was, yeah. anymore, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, I mean, because, well, I remember when they were filming Dead, uh, Deadpool, um, the director said that, that like, all, he, he did a whole lot of Green Lantern improv stuff, and, like, most of the lines about Green Lantern was stuff that Ryan Reynolds ad-libbed, and the director said, like, he had a lot of Green Lantern stuff he wanted to get out of his system. <laughs> <laughs> he just, like, needed to, he's, like, yeah. therapy, you know what I mean? He's just, like, working it out, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I got that same feeling because like I've seen a ton of Ryan Reynolds movies and even when the movie is not that great, even when like, sure. you know, Blade Trinity is a perfect example, yeah. like terrible fucking movie. But Ryan Reynolds <laughs> is a joy to watch in that movie. He is yes, so much. I mean, like I even Parker Posey, who's usually a joy to watch, was just grating in that movie. And yet Ryan Reynolds is the one bright spot in that movie. He's just every time he appears on screen, even when he's making dumb jokes, like it's still lands but and, you know van wilder too like i had rewatched van wilder not that recently but within like the past five years or so and okay. yeah the, the humor does not age well it's it's very much that kind of like american pie you know late 90s mm -hmm. sophomore very very much in that vein but ryan reynolds still has that charm about him you can't help but like that guy in that movie same thing you know we watched um what was it the proposal the one he did with sandra bullock and um 
not that great a movie, you know, you know, one of those silly premise movies, but it's still like him and Sandra Bullock, you know, that's you're watching them interact with each other. And that's what's fun about it. And it's just like, you've got Ryan Reynolds, who's got this really good. And you, when you pair him with an older actor like this, who has that kind of like, you know, you had him in, um, he was in safe house with Denzel Washington, you know, Hitman's bodyguard with Samuel L. Jackson. He's got all these movies where he, or Deadpool 2 with, you know, Josh Brolin, right? You pair him with this older actor to play like the the straight man for him. Uh-huh. And it's usually a winning formula. It should be a winning formula with this, but it just isn't. Yeah. And you know what it might be? And I, I don't know if this is actually true in terms of how they would interact with each other, but maybe the character Jeff Bridges was doing wasn't enough of a straight man. Do you know I think I mean? so. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like a whole caricature. You know what I mean? He's not even a character. He is a caricature. Mm-hmm. And I think from the comics, he's supposed to be. So, I mean, Jeff Bridges is doing his assignment. But I wonder if, like, you know, the because there's even less character to the character in the comics for, for Ryan Reynolds' character. Mm-hmm. The, like, he's just a cop. Like, I feel like they should have maybe not even tried to do Ryan Reynolds. They should have let the younger guy in this case be the straight man because ryan reynolds yeah. needs to be playing opposite a straight man he can't yeah yeah, yeah. A straight man <laughs> oh yeah i, I was I realizing that as problem. i think so as you were saying that i realized that it did and you know jeff bridges can play like the more straight man type like in um he's capable you know, for sure it, i mean arguably in iron man that's what he was to 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 Downey, sure. right <laughs> he's very much much more of a straight man to Downey's more you know eccentric zany type of character um but yeah, it's, and I think I think I think you're right. I think that's a that's a big problem. Is that Ryan Reynolds is supposed they want Ryan Reynolds to do his thing, but if Ryan Reynolds gets first off. I mean, I think it's clearly the, the script is not doing any any favors. Oh, I'm God, not. No. <laughs> they don't really give him much room to like ad lib or anything like that, which he does very well. When like that's one of the the best jokes in Deadpool were him just ad libbing. Um, right. And then they've got Jeff Bridges, who feels like he was much more unrestrained. And it's just like those two things, you're you're not matching these two actors to their strengths. Well, I mean, you are in Jeff Bridges' case, but it's you're not met figuring out how that chemistry will work. Because it does it Reynolds you're right, Reynolds feels oddly restrained in this movie in a way that that Bacon and Bridges do not feel. And I think Yes. I think maybe there there was something to that. Like maybe the director was telling, pulled Ryan Reynolds aside. He's like, "Look, these other guys are chewing the scenery, so we need you to play it straight." And he's like, "Ryan Reynolds, like, how do I do that?" <laughs> right? Yeah. Why did you hire me? Like, that would have been my response. I'm Ryan fucking Reynolds. Why do you have me doing this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he actually, obviously, we were talking about Green Lantern, and, and everybody knows about Ryan Reynolds and his feelings about Green Lantern. I was thinking about like the scenes from Green Lantern when he's like excited because he's figured out the CG mm. super suit, you know what I mean? And he's like t- telling his friend, he's like, Oh my God, I glow green or like whatever. Like there's more life and excitement in mm. that movie, which is <laughs> void of life and excitement than there is in Ryan Reynolds in this movie, which like arguably he should be able to show that as well. So, I mean, yeah, they should have, I think, I think, yeah, you should have had a different actor playing this this part. As much as I love Ryan Reynolds, and I love the idea of him and Bridges in a movie together, I think you really should have had a different actor playing that part, because, <clears throat> you know, if you had, like, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like, Chris Evans or, or someone like that playing sure. that part, I think they could play it much more straight, and it would have worked, uh-huh. it would have worked a lot better. Yeah, I, 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 
And in fact, even around this time, Chris Evans would have probably been a good choice. My suspicion is they wanted Ryan Reynolds for, again, <clears throat> star power. Mm-hmm. And they were thinking that that star power would be, you know, Green Lantern star yeah, power. Yeah. And I don't think that worked out well. But um, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's just always funny when we talk about this stuff. Because like, you think about like this, if you tweak this like one thing a little bit, would have made this movie amazing you know i mean we talked about jump i don't know about amazing but (laughs) (laughs) fair enough enough. especially not for jumper but yeah it's just like uh, you know you tried to to bite off more than you could chew and you didn't Mm. think about like oh if we just you know tweak this one thing it could certainly vast improvements um yeah also too i think they just well yeah i think i think that's one of the the big problems too is they focus way too much on this very basic premise and you know that that's a good writing exercise to get you started for idea you know it's 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 you know it's men in black but with but with um demons and ghosts instead of instead of aliens okay i can roll with that you've got a secret organization that's you know going around and and you know there's and there's something to that in the beginning when he says why do why even have this organization in the first place and you know she says well she says you know the system wasn't designed and you know you're talking about overpopulation okay i can i can roll with that it is a little bit it's a little bit like that jeff bridges line where they're pointing out the flaws in the basic premise right right but i can still roll with it to an extent um the avatar thing too it's funny but it's still i got to the point where i'm just like i don't understand why you're it became a crutch and I think it was just an excuse for, it also made me wonder, I'm like, well, I can understand it if like each person sees someone different. Oh yeah, sure. That yeah. would make sense. I would totally get that because, you know, but otherwise it made me wonder because he, because he says inventory is what it is. I'm like, so what, do they just take random dead people and put them <laughs> in or, <clears throat> and then, so what happens if Ryan Reynolds runs into James Hong's family? Yeah. <laughs> That's a really solid point. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, but yeah, there's that throwaway line at the end there. Uh, and, and that's where, like, I think it's that it's one of those things that they were taking and adapting the comic that did not mm. have that. And I think they decided, okay, the only thing that's really funny in this story is the ridiculousness of the cowboy character. Mm. So we need to, if we want it to be men in black, we need to have some other source of comedic relief. And yeah. that is where someone was like, well, what if we, you know, had everyone see them look differently and then they started vamping on it and then they're like, you know, yeah. And, you know, it'd be funny if other people saw things differently or, you know, we could have somebody do ridiculous things or all oh, the banana gag. Cause again, they never actually say that your gun is going to be a banana. And then it mm. just is randomly. Like, it's And like, it, as far as I know, it's only with Ryan Reynolds. Like, I, cause I don't think I ever remember, you know, um, Jeff Bridges avatar holding a, a banana or anything like that. Not that they show. I don't know if yeah. they ever like cut away to have a time when he's got his gun in his hand. But yeah, it's n- it's never shown. And then yeah, they just feel like I found like they think they like struck gold when they were like, oh, and we could have it be you know a hot woman because then we can have Jeff Bridges having to multiple times interact with men who are ogling him as a hot mm-hmm. woman, and that would be even hilarious. Like I do feel like it's one of those things where they were just like, we we need to write something that gives us gags, and then they yeah. went too far with it because yeah, like, oh, yeah. We're, now we're just writing gags to write gags. And again, not caring whether it kind of breaks the rules that we're setting up for this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that that's pretty much everything I had to say about it. It's just, sure. I was, because I, I remember, I think one of the reasons why I didn't seek this movie out, even though I was interested in the trailer, was because of how, the, how negative all the reviews were. Because it got like, 
it got savage. It's got like, like a we're talking 5.6 on IMDb or something. Yeah, like it's got now, like so. 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that's 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 um, uh, audiences pulled by Cin- Cinema Score gave the film an average grade of C plus for some reason, which is weird. Uh, Roger Moore, uh, film critic Roger Moore, called it the worst comic book adaptation since Jonah Hex. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Kyle Smith of the New York Post gave the film half a star out of four writing for a movie that so strenuously rips off Ghostbusters and Men in Black R.I.P.D. manages to come up with fresh new ways of being absolutely terrible the the plot (laughs) manages to be fully predictable and freakishly bonkers at the same time seemingly born of the same kind of brainstorming on LSD session that must have given us Howard the Duck (laughs) (laughs) that is savage and perfect <laughs> i think I, i'm I, i've got a conspiracy theory here i think studios sometimes churn out some of these really bad movies just so film critics can practice their most savage writing tactics because i remember <laughs> the best thing about the cats movie were the reviews that came out of it Oh my god, yeah. I don't. I, I literally never watched the movie because I saw all the reviews and I was just like, yep, there's no way that I'm going to be more entertained by this film than I am by reading No, this. God, god, those reviews were savage. <laughs> and it was, it was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> there was one I saw, I, can't, I gotta look it up and I gotta send it to you later, but there was one that was just like, it had me laughing my ass off the entire time I was reading it. And it was a long review. We're talking like, you know, 500 to 1,000 words long. And it was it was just like from start to finish, just completely savaging the movie and unbelievably hilarious. <sighs> yeah, it's like you said, let them work out their uh, their darker demons on the things mm. that we know are absolute trash. And then they yeah. come at us so hard at the ones that are, you know... Not maybe our best hit, but, uh, you know, not terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, maybe next time I come on, I'll be able to pick a good movie. <laughs> I kind of like this, though. I really do enjoy, like, having f- And this is, to me, what, like, movies can be fun about. You can watch mm-hmm. a movie that's not even that good, objectively, and there's still something to love about it. I genuinely love Kevin Bacon's performance mm-hmm. in this movie. You know, I really enjoy some of the other stuff. And then, if nothing else, yeah, cool. You get to, you know, have these conversations about uh, how terrible a movie is. And then you get to build that bond with, uh, it's kind of like, it's like hazing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you and your friends go through something together. And then you're like, oh, we're, 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 we're more connected now because oh, we yeah. went through this terrible experience. I mean, yeah, I've, I remember, you know, I remember a few times, you know, we, we've reviewed some really good movies on this show. And I remember when we talked about... Um, had Adam Lance Garcia and we talked about Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And it wasn't that long of a of an episode. And we get to the point where it's like, so this movie's awesome. Yeah, it really is. And it's like, yeah, there's there's not much else to go there. Or we talked about uh, <laughs> Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. And it was kind of the same thing. It's like, yeah, this movie's awesome. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. But when um, you know, when when my late co-host was on, one of the last movies we reviewed was uh was Steel. And it was just like that was just uh-huh. You know, an absolute dog shit of movie. That was one of my most. That was one of the episodes that was the most fun to record because it was just like we had a lot of stuff to get out of our system after watching that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh... <sighs> well, uh, let me see. I don't think 
I have any... Oh, I will say, like, I'd forgotten completely about the, like, total apocalypse ending. Like, I forgot that that's how the movie ends. Oh, yeah, the whole the sky beam thing and all the... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I forgot there was a sky beam in this before it became a joke. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this was right around the time when it started to become a joke, right? The whole... Everyone's... Like, people are going to be talking about the 2010s and the sky beam until the end of time. (laughs) Yeah, it will be... Like, every film nerd will know that time for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say it's going to be what it's going to be. The sky beam is going to be to the 2010s. What, um, Tarantino ripoffs were to the (laughs) nineties. Yes. Yes. Truly. Everyone's like chasing the magic that was that first movie that made the sky beam fun. Like everyone, like they saw Avengers and they're like, Mm -hmm. you know what made Avengers amazing? (laughs) The sky beam. Yeah. (laughs) We put a sky beam in our movie. We're going to make a billion dollars. guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, you took the wrong lesson. Oh man! Uh, no, the only other thing I had was like the I loved the running joke of uh, like when you witness your funeral or whatever, and then Jeff Bridges' character keeps talking about the coyotes mm. tearing him apart, and then like eventually the line was, uh, "A coyote made love to my skull." <laughs> it's just like, oh my god! But I love it. I love the follow up to that. He's like, "Do you know what they call that?" <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh, man. So much so that, like, that was one of the things that, and this is another reason, listeners, why you should not bother with the sequel. I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe you'll have this cool... It's the same exact character, but you never actually see it happen. Unfortunately, his (laughs) partner in the second movie just tells him that Mm. coyotes took his body to a a, a cave and tore it apart. And I'm like, no, man, that was comedic gold! Like, have... (laughs) Uh, Jeffrey Donovan getting to react to these coyotes and him being like, oh man, come on, how are you doing that to me? Oh. It would have been so much better. Um, and, and instead, you only get a much better depiction of that through Jeff Bridges and mm. his descriptions of it. Well, also, like that, that funeral scene, too, at, when they're, <clears throat> when he says, like, you know, this is a, you know, this is a very pars- private moment for you. I'm just gonna, and he just keeps on, he's like, I'm gonna let you just soak it in. And he just keeps on rambling the whole time. And then Ryan, and then Reynolds, like, thanks for letting me. I, I mean, I, I, it feels weird. Like, I keep forgetting Ryan Reynolds' character name in this. So I just keep calling him Ryan Reynolds. That's fair. It's a forgettable. It's actually, I think his name's Nick. Which his is name is Nick. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's like, um, I keep. There are a few times when you said Nick, and I'm like, wait, who? I'm like, oh, right, right, Ryan Reynolds' character. Because, <laughs> like, his character is completely unmemorable in this. And it's like, if it yes. wasn't Ryan Reynolds playing him, I don't think I even remember the character's face. Um, but yeah, that scene when he's just like, yeah, and Ryan Reynolds turns to him, he's like, well, thank you for letting me absorb all that in my own time. <laughs> oh, there's something like that. That's, that's the kind of stuff I wish there was more of in this movie. Yes. Yes, it was like that glimmer of, like, who Ryan Reynolds could or mm. should be, but they didn't give him enough of that to do. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, the part where he tells him, he's like, when <laughs> he's talking to, he's tearing into Roy, he's like, you know the story you're always talking about the coyotes? The coyotes are the hero in that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I forgot that line. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, oh, very good. All right, anything else you want to say about R.I.P.D.? Nah, like I said, it my I, I literally could see where I'd rated it on IMDb, and I gave it five out of ten. So that's like a two point five out of five, which is how I rate things now. Mm-hmm. I would have I bumped it up when I did it on Letterbox. I now would give it a three out of five because I enjoyed it more this time. But I can't say that it's a good film. Like it's, <laughs> I gave it. Horrible. It is shallow, dumb fun. That's mm-hmm. what I tell you. Shallow, dumb fun. What'd you give it? I gave it a two point five on Letterbox. I mean, it's yep. it's. <laughs> 
I mean, I think I fell asleep at one point during the movie because there's some stuff I'm just like, I, I don't even remember if I, if I, it didn't feel like I missed anything. So, but I think I'm pretty sure I fell asleep at one point. Uh, and I didn't even care enough to go back. So <laughs> that tells you something about it. Um, yeah, it's just like there's, you know, it's the, the concept could have worked if it was, if they did a little bit more with it beyond just the premise of, you know, Men in Black meets Ghostbusters. You could do more with that if you, you've got that starting point okay but you got to build up from there (laughs) yes yes i mean that's yeah like you said earlier it's like that's the start not the end Mm -hmm. right right (laughs) do you ever play these do you play video games at all yeah 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 you know those like building games like you know no man's sky or or arc or or whatever where or minecraft or whatever yeah yeah. played recently actually right so you know you build the basic structure of the house but if you don't yes put anything inside it's just a big empty room and you're just like okay this is uh, uh, that's kind of what this movie feels like it's got that nice outdoor thing but you go inside like this is just completely empty in the inside that is the perfect analogy i would say Mm -hmm. yes completely agree because yeah it's it again on paper this should have been at least entertaining to watch. If not a good movie, it should have still been fun to watch. And it just really wasn't. It, it wasn't, and it wasn't like, I'm not going to go so far as to say it was terrible to watch. It was like a chore, but it's just like, it was really just kind of, it was there. It was really just kind of boring and unremarkable. Yeah. It's like, it existed. That's it existed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And so much so that even though with my watch history on Netflix, Netflix is still like, I don't know if we're going to recommend this to you. <laughs> we're just going to kind of bury it. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Yeah. I think actually, cause I went to go find the sequel. It gave it like a 14% in terms of like how much it matches with the things that I've liked. Uh, yeah. So that was fun. That was it fun. does make me wonder like with, cause I don't, th- I don't think I read the description, but you know how on Netflix, they've got sometimes the description and something like, you know, and they'll say something, they'll try to say something positive about it. I'm like, what would they say about this? Like Jeff Bridges, Ryan Reynolds, and Kevin Bacon. And that's it. <laughs> that's probably all they have. Nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> they just list the names of the actors yeah. and there is no description. Yeah. They're yeah. Like, you know what? Honestly, <laughs> if we tell you more, you're not going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i always love talking movies with you Patrick. yeah <laughs> same here yeah ex- that's a good segue to to end this episode but yeah um nick always fun to have you on uh gotta have you come back on again um but why don't you uh tell people where they can find you yeah sure i uh, would love to come back on again like i said we'll find some movie that maybe like scores just a little bit better each time like you know we, we, <laughs> jumper was worse than this this is a little bit better we'll go you know what something now that you said that's what into a good movie <laughs> i was wondering about that because when you'd mentioned jumper earlier i was wondering like i actually don't know which one i would say is worse because i think really you know what i think story-wise i think structure-wise and everything i think jumper is actually a better movie but i think that the the performances in this, especially Jeff Bridges and Kevin Bacon, that they're more entertaining to watch than Jumper was. Like Jumper was, Jumper's story hangs together a little bit better. It's still got a lot of problems, like we talked about in that episode. Um, but I, I think that story does hang together a little bit better. It's a little bit more cohesive. This story's kind of all over the place. It doesn't really feel very cohesive at all. It's just very much that basic idea. And then not much else. And then, <clears throat> but, you know, Jeff Bridges and 
uh, Kevin Bacon, Mary Louise Parker, and to a lesser degree, those scenes when Ryan Reynolds actually gets to be Ryan Reynolds. Right, right. That their their performances in R.I.P.D. are better than in Jumper. Like even Samuel L. Jackson felt yes. bored in that movie. So, yes, yes, I would say to me, like it's it's similar. I would give the edge to R.I.P.D. for me, but it's going to be because. <clears throat> I feel like Jumper is full of a lot of like like too many things that yeah, don't yeah. make any sense. Mm. This is full of too few things. They just don't mm. bother to, <laughs> to make sense of any of it. It's like very empty. Um, yeah, but <laughs> sorry, we we see we could we keep talking about movies. Yeah, ad nauseum the rest of the time. <laughs> um, you can find me uh, at uh, Nick Loves Movies. That's N I C Nick L U V Love Nick Loves Movies. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd. Uh, and then you can find me and my wife talking about movies uh, and also relationships and love. And, you know, if you've ever wondered, hey, does somebody else experience this thing uh, that I do in my relationship? The answer is probably yes. And mm-hmm. you'll, you know, get to hear some people talking about it in a usually somewhat comedic uh, way and then hear them talk about a movie. So come find us uh, in love with movies. You can look up for us on YouTube or podcasts. And then uh, on social medias, it is at the letter N love with movies all spelled out. L-U-V-E, love, because uh, you can't quite fit it with regards to Twitter's ads. You have to, like, <laughs> drop, you know, one letter. So it's at In Love With Movies there. All right. Okay. All right. Well, Nick, again, always fun to have you on. Uh, got to have you come back on again uh, pretty soon. So hopefully we can get something scheduled when I've got this big break of time coming up. Um, but that does it for this episode of Superhero Cinephile. Superherocinephiles.com is the website. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm still getting over my cold. Um, Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, I'm on Hive on uh, Per Constantine because Twitter is now suspended my main account. Why they won't tell me, but um, that's what happens when you have Space Karen running things, I guess. Uh, and then, <laughs> um, but you know, you can always find me on on Hive. You can find me on uh, on Twitter at Super Super Cinema Pod. I'm still on there, and also we've got the Patreon show. So. Patreon.com slash uh, super cinema or superhero cinephiles, I think. It, it's not the website, so you can just go to the website if you can't. I can't remember the URL. Um, but you can find our uh, uh, Patreon show where Nick has been on talking about comics before, and we've had some other people on. Um, and also, we have a, uh, if you sign up for that, you also get these episodes a week in advance. So uh, please do that. And that does it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod, and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.